Well, Shalom, welcome to the Torah to Pesora class for Parsha Naso. Okay, so apparently last week was not the final week, so I apologize to any of you who thought such information was appropriate or accurate is a better term. But tonight is the final night uh, until we come back from break. So, Baruch Hashem. We were going to start in chapter 7 of the Parsha this week, Parsha Naso, which is Bombing Bar chapter 7, verses 1 through 41. Good night. Okay, that is a big Aliyah. Apparently, Aliyah 4 was big, and so is Aliyah 5. Uh, also, our Basora portion tonight will come from Dr. Luke. Uh, Dr. Luke has his writings of chapter 1. Verses 11 through 20. So we will begin with the opening bracha and start away. Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu melech haolam, Asher bakar banu mikol hamim, Venatan lanu et orato, Baruch atah Adonai, Noten haTorah. Amen. Amen. Bamibar chapter 7. And it was on that day that Moshe finished erecting the Mishkan. He anointed it, sanctified it, and all its vessels, and the altar, and all its vessels. And he anointed them and sanctified them. The chieftains of Israel, the heads of their fathers' houses, presented their offerings. They were the leaders of the tribes. They, they were the ones who were present during the counting. They brought their offering before Adonai, six covered wagons and twelve oxen, a wagon for each two chieftains, an ox for each one. They presented them in front of the Mishkan. Adonai spoke to Moshe, saying, Take it from them, and let them be used in the service of the tent of meeting. You shall give them to the Levites in accordance with each man's work. So Moshe took the wagons and the cattle and gave them to the Levites. He gave two wagons and four oxen to the sons of Gershon according to their work. And he gave four wagons and eight oxen to the sons of Merari according to their work under the direction of Itamar, the son of Aharon, the Kohen. But to the sons of Kohat, he, gave, he did not give for incumbent upon them was the work involving the holy objects which they were to carry on their shoulders. Side note, if you really think about these three sons and their, uh, their duties, that Kohat, they carried the ark. So for them to have wagons would be the exact picture of the, um, the passage about David carrying the ark on a wagon and Uzziah ultimately dying. So we don't want that to happen. And here's our case precedent how the ark should be carried. Don't use wagons. Don't use oxen. Use Levites. Okay, but anyway, back to the reading. But to the sons of Kohat, he did not give, for incumbent upon them was the work involving the holy objects, which they were to carry on their shoulders. The chieftains brought offerings for the dedication of the altar on the day it was anointed. The chieftains presented their offerings in front of the altar. Adonai said to Moshe, one chieftain each day, one chieftain each day shall present his offering for the dedication of the altar. 
The one who brought his offering on the first day was Nachshon ben Aminidav of Shevet or Mate, which is same thing, tribe of Yehuda. And his offering was one silver bowl weighing 130 shekels, one silver sprinkling basin weighing 70 shekels, according to the holy shekel, both filled with fine flour mixed with olive oil for a meal offering. One spoon weighing 10 shekels of gold filled with incense. One young bull, one ram, one lamb in its first year for a burnt offering. One young goat, he goat for a sin offering and for shalom offering. And for the shalom offering, two oxen, five rams, five he goats, five lambs in the first year. This was the offering of Nakshon ben Aminidav. On the second day, Nathaniel the son of Zuar, the chieftain of Yisakar, brought his offering. He brought his offering of one silver bow weighing 130 shekels, one silver sprinkling basin weighing 70 shekels. According to the holy shekel, both were filled with fine flour mixed with olive oil for a meal offering. One spoon weighing 10 shekels of gold filled with incense, one young bull, one ram, one lamb in its first year for a burnt offering, one young he goat for a sin offering, and for the shalom offering, two oxen, five rams, five he goats, five lambs in their first year. This was the offering of Nathaniel, the son of Zuar. On the third day, the chieftain was of the sons of Zebulun, Eliab, the son of Helon. His offering was one silver bowl weighing 130 shekels, one sprinkling basin weighing 70 shekels. According to the holy shekel, both filled with fine flour mixed with olive oil for a meal offering. One spoon weighing 10 shekels of gold filled with incense. One young bull, one ram, one lamb in its first year for a burnt offering. One young he goat for a sand offering. And for the shalom offering, you guessed it. Two oxen, five rams, five he goats, five lambs in their first year. This was the offering of Eliab, son of Helon. On the fourth day, the chieftain was of the sons of Reuven, Elizur, the son of Shedur. His offering was one silver bowl weighing 130 shekels, one silver sprinkling basin weighing 70 shekels, according to the holy shekel, both filled with fine flour mixed with the olive oil for a meal offering. I don't know why this is so fun. Brukashem. One spoon weighing 10 shekels of gold filled with incense, one young bull, one ram, one lamb in its first year for a burnt offering. One young he goat for a sin offering. And for the shalom offering, two oxen, five rams, five he goats, five lambs in their first year. This was the offering of Elizur ben Shedior. On the fifth day, the chieftains was of the sons of Shimeon Shalumiel ben Zurishadai. His offering was one silver bowl weighing 130 shekels, one silver basin weighing 70 shekels, according to the holy shekel, both filled with fine flour mixed with olive oil for a meal offering, one spoon weighing 10 shekels of gold filled with incense, one young bull, one ram, and one lamb in its first year for a burnt offering, one young he goat for a sin offering, 
And for the shalom offering, two oxen, five rams, five he goats, five lambs in their first year. This was the offering of Shalomiel ben Zuri Shaddai in the fifth Aliyah. Come on! Wow! That was only like five days worth of offerings. Side note, there are 12 tribes. <laughs> Read the sixth Aliyah to find all the other stuff out. Okay. So, to our Basora, Baruch Hashem. We are in Luke chapter 1, verses 11 through 20. It says, oh, so we start off with Memtet. Okay, Baruch Hashem. Uh, and the angel of Adonai appeared to him. An angel. It doesn't say the angel. Okay. An angel appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense, Zechariah was in turmoil when he saw the angel, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, because your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elisheva, will give birth to your son, and you will name him Yohanan. Okay? Verse 14. And you will have Simcha and Sason, joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. He will be great before Adonai, and he should not drink wine and intoxicating beverage, but he will be filled with the Ruach HaKodesh just out of his mother's womb. Many of Bnei Yisrael will return to Adonai their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Eliyahu to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient ones to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready for Adonai a prepared people. Zechariah said to the angel, How will I know this for certain? I or I'm an old man and my wife is well advanced in age. Man, we've heard this before. Abraham and Sarah much. And speaking to him, the angel declared Ani Gabriel, just in case you thought I was Memtet, I am not, but I know him, and we're kind of like related. Uh, I am Gabriel, the one standing in God's presence. I was commissioned to tell you and proclaim to you this, Basora Hageula, this good news. So, you, so look, you will be silent and powerless to speak until the day these things happen. Since you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. End of our Basora portion. Opening the floor for commentary. Amen. Brukashem. Alright. That was some hefty reading tonight. Definitely. <laughs> Alright, so... Uh, obviously, I love this Basora drop because there are so many beautiful, amazing things that are right here. So, let's get down to a few things. First of all, Yochanan was questioned, uh, first of all, are you Eliyahu? And Basora does such a beautiful job letting us know right here that he will be... He will go before him in the spirit and power of Eliyahu. 
So this whole thing about reincarnation that's constantly brought up in the Kabbalah and the mystical thought of Judaism. Okay, so while we are not all uh, knowing and all seeing, so we can't say that now all these people are crazy and God won't reincarnate people. Okay, obviously we can not tell God what he is and what he's not going to do. But what we can understand is that reincarnation, the concept as we know it today about someone who lives their life and they die and they come back as something else, obviously that can't be it. Uh, and the second thing is when you really look at how reincarnation became a part of Jewish teaching, because Yeshua didn't teach about it, so that's kind of something. But uh, anyway, and Kepha didn't either, and neither did Shaul, believe it or not. Because Paul said a lot, but he didn't say anything about reincarnation. No one ever brings that up, and toward Absor, we brought that up. Okay, but uh, anyway, so this is uh, what the way reincarnation got brought into Judaism was through like the Middle Ages and the Eastern mysticism, mixing with practical Kabbalah and yoga and all that, not wonderfulness. And so somehow that's been like, now it's streamlined. We can just throw in reincarnation whenever we want to. And Gilgalim, which is fancy for cycling of souls. But with all that being said, I see your hand. I got you coming in hot after this. Um, so when we look at anything about reincarnation and why did Yeshua say, if you can accept it, Yochanan is Eliyahu? Because Yochanan was questioned so many times. Are you Eliyahu? Are you the prophet? Which, by the way, when you ever hear Hanabi, Hanabi it's always talking about Eliyahu. So it's funny because Yeshua was also uh, accredited that, you know, sometimes they're like, because he asked, uh, who do they say the Son of Man is? And they're like, some say you're the prophet. And, and he's just like, okay, that's nice. Uh, Eliyahu does have one of the names of Mashiach, by the way. The Midrash Tehillim brings that down. One of Messiah's names is Eliyahu, so that's just absolutely ridiculous. But anyway, uh, last thing I want to say, and I'm going to hand it over to Raphael, uh, is that Yeshua says, if you can accept it, he is Eliyahu. And right here in our Basora, it literally says why he's Eliyahu, because he's going to make ready for Adonai a prepared people. Hashem is so awesome that before he reveals himself completely to his people, he sets us up with prerequisite stages. He goes, hey, wash your clothes. Hey, I want you to count the Omer. Hey, I want you to, you know, distance yourself from your idolatry. Put away your sin. Hey, look forward and anticipate my arrival. You know, like how we were taken out of Egypt. Same process. We went through the wilderness for a few days. Then we went through the Yom Suf. Then we went through the wilderness some more, and then we got to Mount Sinai. And even when we got to Mount Sinai, there was a three-day preparation after that. So it's preparation after preparation after preparation. So obviously, with Mashiach literally coming, the Torah in flesh, he's going to make a preparation stage, and Eliyahu is the, the one who precedes that. Because if you read the Messiah text, before Mashiach is revealed, Eliyahu is brought forth first. So, just a few things to drop in there. Quick comment and then throw it at Raphael. Yeah, Legend of the Jews says the same thing about Eliyahu coming first. Wow. Get your song. All right, Raphael. Told our about for your patience. Let it fly. Well, it kind of refers to carrying the mantle. 
Yeah. Which more or less doesn't mean the exact person and being reincarnated like that person. Can you repeat that statement? That was legit. It, it means carrying, carrying the mantle. Carrying their 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 uh, dedication to Torah. Mm. It's carrying that that that. Uh, the torch. Yes. And uh, that's what it relates to. So what does Satan do? He sends somebody in and plants his thoughts saying, no, make it up to be reincarnation instead. Oh, wow. Take the place of that. And I read a book about the masters of Talmud, which is a small book, but it told about the different masters that uh, God used to, you know, put that down in writing. Mm. Their dedication was, was totally amazing. Wow. And yet they weren't rich, but they, they always had food, clothes, a place to stay. Their family was taken care of. A few of them were wealthy. Mm-hmm. Most were not. Wow. But you read about that dedication, you go, that's that's what we should be carrying on, is that. Wow. Yes. That, that, that dedication. It's a mantle and, uh, or torch. And the Torah says over and over again, it repeats it just in different ways, parables or whatever. But it's a constant reminder of, of stay in contact. Wow. Don't break the contact. And I tell people all the time, I said, I said the first thing I learned before I even learned my heritage, he taught me the morning prayers and the evening prayers. Get you so, some. So I knew nothing of God's word. And he said, why did he teach you that and not someone else? Hmm. Because I was serious. I wanted to learn exactly what the disciples learned. Yeah. And I asked him every day, do not let me stray from that. I mean, I want to learn what they, exactly what they did, and and I had to start off in the first grade <coughs> and work my way up. It awesome. took six years, and then all of a sudden, so in I sixth had grade, just okay. right at me. I mean, he just lined me up with somebody to give me the information mm-hmm. and everything about my father's side, and my mother's side, and I found that I'm mostly a Sephardic Jew. Mm. And it was kind of like, oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> my great great grandfather is buried in Texas. Wow. So it, it was before him because he was a circuit riding Methodist preacher. Okay. He was also a Sephardic Jew. Yeah. His last name was Martin. Get your son. So when I told my rest of my relatives who are Baptist, uh, they're, the, they're the kind that don't raise their hands. Oh, oh no. Yeah. And they raise their hands on that one. They're like, I say, no, 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 no. Well, yeah, you might say in kind of a way. But the thing is. They were up in arms is, instead of raising their hands. I, I asked Yeshua, what do I do? He said, tell them who they are and see how they receive. Mm. They didn't want to receive it. Oh. And they asked me, he says, well, why are you doing that? I said, I'm doing what the disciples did. Wow. And exactly what they did. Come on. Do I know exactly the prayers, where they came from? No, I don't right now. Man. But then he started giving me the books. Wow. Come on. So I tell people, you know, if if you're if you have a college, he writes your books. He's the one you need to learn from. He's the need to one you one you need to guide you. So who wrote the Torah? Yeshua. He is the Torah. So you can't separate them. They're both the light. They represent the same. So once you t- separate it. You're dividing. Dividing the light. You're dividing. So all these people I talk to, ministers, pastors, or whatever, because I get approached pretty regular, 
I, something about what I wear, I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, he'd walk up to me and say, are you a Jew? And I said, yeah. So are you Messianic? I said, no. Mm. Uh, what are you? I said, I'm Orthodox. Mm. Hello? These are payouts. Let me explain payouts to you. <laughs> and they look at me. I said, Messianics don't wear payouts. You don't see them. They definitely this. don't you wear these. Usually. Mm. I said, I wear this all the time because I'm a Jew. They wore them. Every I know, give it and they look at me and said, you want to know some more? And usually they do. And I start explaining. Come on. Open the door. And they just stand up. there and they just listen. Usually, if I get approached, they don't leave for like 30 or 40 minutes. That's how it works. At least. Yeah. And then they walk off. Do they, all, do they recontact me? No, because when they walk off, that spirit of deception kicks in. Yes. And that's the thing, man. Oh, my gosh. You can feel like you make so much headway. You're like, oh, man, I was in this conversation. It was hours. And then it's like afterwards it goes away. And you're once just like, the seed is planted, what? if you plant the seed, you've done your job. Yeah. For sure. All you got to do is plant the seed. He sent me in one church one time. It held a thousand people. I walked in and they sat down right up front where he told me. And I stood there the whole time. Yeah, and it was everything. I don't. I couldn't tell you what the, anything that was said in there or nothing, because I was just constantly listening to him. And people said, "Why? I don't want that deception to enter my mind." That's right. So I listened to him. Yeah. And then I stood there, and everybody left. And this one young man approached me and said, "Why are you standing there?" I said, "So you can see me." But and he looked at me and said. You, you want to know Torah? He said, I've never been here in my life. He said, God told me to come in here. Hmm. And I saw you standing there. Would you stand here until I walked up? I said, yes. And I explained it to him. And he looked at me and says, I, w I want what you have. Amen. And I, I, I pointed him in a direction. And then I walked out. When I walked out, he, he said, how many people are in there? I can't, how many people can that hold? I said, a thousand. He said, yeah, but I sent you in there for one. That's right. He said, all it takes, but who is he going to reach? All right. And I tell people, you think about that. Well, I'll only reach that one or two or whatever, but who are they going to reach? That's right. It starts with one. All you need is one voice. Somebody, somewhere, I never say something. Both sides <laughs> of my family rejected me. Wow. But the thing is, uh, it doesn't matter because... Uh, Satan uses other people to break your concentration yeah. and getting close to Torah. And when you get into Torah, he will attack you. Satan will attack you more. I tell Keep you, the light you divided. You want, I said, give me three hours, I'll change your mind. Because yeah. I have been attacked se severely. And I came out of it each time. Yeah. And literally for 51 years, I should be dead many times over. Yeah. Many times over. And when, when I was shown that and revealed to me by Yeshua, uh, I was going to commit suicide. And I, he said, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to listen to you. Apparently, I've been doing so good. That's the best way to commit suicide, <laughs> by the way. The best way to commit suicide is to follow the voice of Hashem, moment by moment. Because... You have to turn it on its head. So when we think suicide, we think of it like, oh, we're like murdering ourselves. It's just like, well, don't you bring sacrifices? Yeah. 
Because you murder yourself every time you bring a sacrifice. And, and the Torah actually says daily so, you should sacrifice yourself each morning yeah. in your prayers. It says that in there. So, yeah, may we be masters of that. So what I did over <laughs> 16 years ago, I kept doing every morning. Get you some. Better be doing it now. I'm put every you in morning. jail. I mean, every single morning I, I do. <laughs> because it says in here, if you're not doing it every morning... Well, I did it once. I said, you know, I accepted the Messiah. I'm fine. And I said, you're listening to the wrong voice. Oh, And people look at me. And I said, you know, oh, well, it's just to buy books. Oh, no. Mm -hmm. I said, let me show you my truck. And they go out looking and go, is that all of them? I said, no. I, I don't want to drive a semi round. Snow cone to an iceberg. <laughs> yeah, I was saying, I don't want to drive a semi round with a 40 foot trailer. Yeah, we need you know? the helicarrier from the Avenger movies to hold yeah, all the books. There you go. There's all of them. Where you, you going to set it? You got a big parking lot? Oh. You know? I have a right. question. Go ahead, and I got a tag after you. So he, get, uh, he was talking about not being the messianic. Yeah. So we are Lapid Jews. We are Lapid Jews. And so this fella says, uh, and he was really picking on this, this one girl. He says, I don't want to be, or I don't want to just be Lapid. Lapid. Uh, really? He says, I want my Hadith. You're what? That's what I'm asking. What is Hadith? H-A-D-I-T-H. He said he wanted his right for his Hadith worship. Hadith A worship. H-A-D-I-T-H. Let's look on prep day and see what comes up. And he accepted and acknowledged. Oh, you don't want that. That's Islam. Hadith. In Islam, refers to the record of words, actions, and silent approval of the Islamic prophet Muhammad. So you want a Hadith, huh? that what you want? That's what he said. Might as well buy some tahalamuk cheese and have a bacon sandwich. Okay. I wondered. I thought... I've never heard of the and I've never heard the word. Well, now I know why we don't speak. So this here. goes down as hashtag don't get you some. Okay. All right. So uh, quickly going away from that. <laughs> oh my word! I'm sorry. It was right in a guy that, as far as I know, I've acknowledged that he's Jew. He's yeah. a Jew. Yeah. He says he's a Jew. Now with a hadith, you ain't. Wow, that is really something. <laughs> uh, I was just gonna touch back on the whole, like everybody has a title, like like Eliyahu, Eliyahu is Hanavi, uh -huh. David is Hamelech. Uh, Come on, I'm trying to think of who else. Uh, Rebenu. Rebenu, uh, Moshe Rebenu, uh -huh. Abraham Avinu, Yosef, Yosef Hazadik. Yeah, you know and. Uh, well, obviously, you're Yeshua Hamashiach. So. Yeah. It's <laughs> hey, I have to say one thing. Yes, ma'am. When the fella that said this about the Hadith, uh -huh. two weeks ago on the on the Jerusalem Day, uh -huh. or Day of Jerusalem, yeah, he was the one who petitioned for the Israelites to go up to the mountain, and he got 1,400 people that were uh, petitioned. Uh -huh. And so the city council of Jerusalem denied them the first time. Yeah. And he kept presenting it over and over and over, like 14 times, so they got a petition that allowed the Jews to go up to the mount on the day of Jerusalem, because they're usually not allowed up there at all. Right. And so he was the leader <clears throat> of the 1,400 Jews to go to the top. 
Wow. And he is the spokesperson for the entire group. And uh, he was on the microphone and on broadcast on mm. international television as a Jew with that group. He had his... ZZ. Uh, ZZ. Yeah. And he had his Talit. Yeah, super. He was dressed very nice in a suit and mm -hmm. very pleasant. And I've always accepted that he was a Jew. I never, I don't know what this hadith was. Maybe it's something different in, to him. Well, if it, if it's hadith, it's Islam. If it's not hadith and it's something else, then Bezrat Hashem, it's something Jewish that's like Hasidic or some kind of branch like that. But hadith ain't no Jew. Okay. So, uh, the other thing, this is where you engage, you shall know a tree by its fruit. Why is storming the Temple Mount not a great idea? Tell us, Ishpela. You're not allowed. No, no kosher Jew is, is, is should ever step foot on the Temple Mount until Mashiach returns. The reason why is because you can't, without the ashes of the red heifer, which we don't have, mm. which there are red heifer that they're watching, yeah. but... The person that is supposed to apply the red heifer water on us has to be a has to be well, a pure person. A pure yes, a pure person. But I was gonna say because we're, we're all impure, by the way. Yeah, ultimately, <laughs> ultimately, it's supposed to be Mashiach. It's, it's really ultimately what it's supposed to be. And so until he comes back, good, like good you, night. nobody can go up there because you have to be purified to go up there because it's a holy. The the mount, the whole Temple Mount itself is mm -hmm. completely holy. Okay, well that was absolutely violent. May I share my yeah, talk? But it is covered with uh, Muslims and Ramadan just had a whole yeah. seven days on it. They made yeah. lots of Roman news. Well, they, 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 so they kind of purified the mountain. You could almost see uh, the trees. More but, like not purified the mountain. No, the Jews the, going up on the day of Jerusalem. It was like, it was all trashed out from Ramadan. So they go up there and it's like even the trees were greener and everything. You could just see things change as they walked up as a group. Yeah, it was very beautiful. But before they walked up, it was like, look, you really could see the difference. So I don't know yeah. what's going on, but I know this, yeah. that no one can go up there without the sanctification. But they yeah. kind of... Yeah, they went, they violated that. So for whatever that's worth uh, if the trees turn greener you know that's cool but at the end of the day we don't base our moon on signs and wonders no. so no, I agree. it could be a lot of good in what they did but at the same time still you really want to follow protocol mm -hmm. so sometimes you don't follow protocol and do things like Pincus did or or, or you but, do things like that don't follow protocol and you end up like another oh I have a question and there's that <laughs> <laughs> you can either be Pincus or Nadav and Avihu. I have a question about the Parmesan. I just want to say I don't want to make that choice. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Um, <laughs> and you, you mentioned it, and it's like each time, each tribe was yes. had pretty much similar Yes, they did. They had the exact same sacrifices, and by the way. And so each time it's two cattle, five rams, five he goats, five sheep, and cool. the first year. And this is the offering of da 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 so yeah, yeah. what I'm wondering is, because the tribes are different sizes, how come they had the same offerings? Yeah, well, I'm going to pull up a source for you from what's called the Kehot Humash. Uh, stand by. Not necessarily the, the size, the amount of people, it's the dedication. 
All right, go to my insights. Well, I mean, for each individual, that oh, yes, yes, that, that counts. Now, was that necessary? The amount of people. Yeah, okay. We, he was the guys were making the the off the sacrifices on behalf of the tribe, the tribes. Yeah, that's what I got. Okay, so going to the Hasidic insights here, um, it says. This is uh, on verse 3 about the, the leaders. So chapter 7, verse 3 says, <clears throat> I want to make sure I begin at a good spot. There's a, there's a lot to this comment to answer your question. So you're asking, there's different tribe sizes, but they're all bringing the same things. And Raphael just did a great job clarifying it's not really the size of the tribe that quantifies what they need to bring. So, with that being said, continue on, says, before the princes could begin bringing their individual offerings, which express their respective tribes' unique contribution to the temple service. They first had to stress the unity of the entire Jewish people. They are this, did, wow, this is really weirdly written. This they did by all participating in one general offering. So break that down. First of all, they're bringing the same offering to express unity. Kol Echad. We are 12 tribes, but we all serve one God. Hashem is one. We as 12 tribes are one. So that's the first thing. The other thing is though we are all one, we are all unique as our individual selves. So each tribe is Echad, but they're all unique. So the tribe of Yehuda expresses their worship to God differently than Yisachar does. But they both say the Shema, they both eat kosher, they both have zitzit. So, you know, like a body of many members, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Or uh, every tribe, every tongue, every nation okay, kind of thing. Uh, I okay. see. So that's I have one. a question then about... Come, oh, you're doing the blanket? The blanket? Oh, come on. It may be over here. I don't know. I don't ever normally use this room. Or, well, for that purpose. So, uh, right these here. particular sacrifices, okay. yes. I, I wanted to know if they ended up as burnt offerings or are they just sacrifices? To yes. Them? So, go back to uh, Parsha Vayikra that teaches about all the sacrifices. Uh -huh. There's a sin offering, there's a peace offering. There's a uh, whole burnt offering, uh, all that. So there's like all these different types of offerings. Some of them are completely burned up. Some of them are burned uh, and like cooked, so to speak, so that the priest can eat part of it and the person can eat part of it, which is like the peace offering. You can do that with or the fellowship offering. What's your next question? That's okay, so here's the next part to that. So you got your expression of unity and your expression of uniqueness and then it says that um, they all gave this as a general offering and then it goes on to say the prince's preparatory offering expressed the essential unity of the Jewish people that is the fact in our spiritual source we are all one essence man I don't know how many times like Shaul wrote this that we are one body with many members. 
There is one spirit. There is one mikvah. There is one amuna. But like we got people over in Corinth, we got people over in Rome, we got people in Greece, we got people in Israel, we got people everywhere. But we're all one body. You know, we have arms, we have legs, you know, and the hand can't say to the foot, you know, I don't need you, get out of here. So this is one of the reasons why basis hatred is such a problem, because it's like a person literally jumping into a shredder which is very graphic, but basis hatred is horrible. It's like the worst thing we could ever do. Like, that's literally the picture of saying, you know what, this group of Jews, which is like my arm, I don't like them, so I'm going to stick my arm in a furnace and think, yeah, arm, you're in the furnace. I don't like you. That's really what it is, you know? So when you think about how there's all this hatred among different sects of Judaism, it's like mutilating your own body. Isn't it, though, because we we read Besorah, and so we yeah. also have the words of Yeshua Mashiach. Mm -hmm. And he said the weight of the government would be upon his shoulders. Come on. And what I'm thinking, because every day I, am, I see the fact that as people... Mm -hmm. That we can all get along. Mm -hmm. It's the nationality. I'm American. He's yeah. he's Muslim. Yeah. He's Russian. He's Chinese. And it's it's not the person. Mm -hmm. It's the government that uh, takes away our right to care about those Chinese Ooh, people who are dividing up the light. Good. Because night. what happens, like uh, one of the people I follow, he is in touch with a lot of the Iranians. Yeah. And a lot of the Iranian people are saying they have nothing against Jewish people. They, they like Israelites. In fact, they'd like to be in Israel as a Jew. But it's... Uh, so Iran is run by Hezbollah. Yeah. And then the Palestinians are run by Hamas. Well, Good night. the fact is that those people and those children and those people, they're losing their lives on the line. Yeah. They aren't happy. Wow. They're just doing what the leader tells them to do. But the fact is that the people yeah. could all get along. So when Yeshua said it's the government upon his shoulders, that's what's upon our shoulders is the government, what they're dictating to those people that they have to do, isn't it? Is that correct? Well, it's not necessarily the government is on our shoulders. The government on Mashiach's shoulders yeah. is the Torah. The, the, the citizens of the heavenly Yerushalayim as brought down in Ephesians, you know, and what is the government of the kingdom? It is the Torah. So he's the, he's the teacher of the law, the scepter of Yehuda, that whole passage, the lawgiver shall not depart from the tribe, the king of Israel, all of that Shoftim stuff, yeah. you know. So Parsha Shoftim, which goes into the Sanhedrin, goes into the king of Israel and all that, you know, that's the government. That's on Yeshua's shoulders. The government is not on our shoulders. We should be subservient to the teachings of the Torah. But when it comes to the, the human made up government entities that you brought up, the Iranians, Hamas, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's creating all of our divisions that we see to where we're thinking from our human perspective of oh, this person's that nationality, this person's that country. And with that being said, that deprograms us from the Torah perspective that we're supposed to have 
which creates all the chaos. So again, when you get back to the, if you will, agent of Echad, which is the Torah, that's, the, that's what Hashem has given to the world. That's why He gave it in a desert, <clears throat> so that all men could partake of it. So we kind of have to go with blinders on through life because... No, not necessarily. Like we got to go with no. the Torah pouring no. out of us like rivers yeah. of living water. But the Torah, we more. have to concentrate on the Torah. That's got to yes. be our main thing no matter what happens around us. Right, no. which is not blinders. So go ahead. The first thing I was taught in my prayers was to have him guard what you see, hear, say, and think. And admit that you can't do it. Hmm. Because I can't. No one can. Mm-hmm. And, and, the time, and when somebody starts thinking they can, uh, I tell them that when you start saying, I know what I'm doing, then you're you're not listening. You're listening to Satan. Wow. Because you don't. Yeah, as soon anything. as you say, I'm not going to say any lesson, the, the then you Torah, end up saying the Torah, The right. Torah states in there that <laughs> at the time you're conceived, your whole life is planned. Mm. From the day you are born till you die. Mm. And we're supposed to seek him through his guidance of his Torah. So we can daily, live that life. So we can live that life. Ooh. And if you step outside of that, that's when Satan goes, up, goes, look, the door's open. I can get in there. Get you some. And that's what exactly it says in here. That's what it says. And I tell people that, and, and a lot of Christians. And, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, I can see that. But do they do it? No, they go back to their same old, same old. Because well, that's what the all their friends are doing. <laughs> and I said, do you think any of my people I knew before are doing that? No, we're not. And they look at me and I go, I don't get invited to family reunions. You know why? Because they're 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 rejecting what Yeshua wants to give everyone. Yeah. And and I'm not. And I said, I went through hell to for for me to be able to accept that. And I was shown that I was going through hell because I didn't know it. Wow. And I said, that's how Satan can deceive. When you go when you're in and out of hospitals and you think your life is normal. I said, that ain't normal by itself. Good. Because, you know, hello, you're not controlling your life. Well, you can't really, but I mean, you know, you're not letting Yeshua control your life. Right. And he's a, and you can't separate him and the life. They're the same. Yeah, it's been happening for 2,000 years. Time for it to stop. Yeah, my uh, teachers <clears throat> before I became mm-hmm. Lapid. Mm-hmm. We're very much structured into Christian yeah. influence. And so, and their philosophy is that, oh, you don't want to be Jewish because right. you're going to follow the law and the only way you can be saved is through Yeshua. Mm. And so yeah. now that I realize that Yeshua is followed the, the law, law specifically yeah. and he was my brother, mm-hmm. basically it's saying, uh, it's something they don't want to hear. because. Right. They don't want to follow the law. Well, right. And then and then just the whole idea of Yeshua is the Torah. So it's like, yeah, of course, he's going to do what he says to do. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, he's like, you know, that's why he knows it so well. That's why he was able to teach it so well. That's why he's, he's just talking about himself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As he was talking to himself. OK, so real quick, I want to go back to something you said, Raphael, a while ago about following the teachings of the apostles. 
i.e. the Shliachim or Talmudim of Mashiach Yeshua, because if you don't understand what they taught, then that is how you come up with a whole new faith system. Because there's a verse written in the letter to the Ephesians, chapter 2, verse 20, that says, Together we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. I don't know about you, but if you had one foundation with parts of that foundation separate and somewhere else, and then you had this here, which is saying like, okay, so the apostles and the prophets make up the foundation of this house, of this Lapid community of first century, which is all these different congregations like Ephesians, Corinth, all that. They wrote to basically Lapids, for lack of a better term. So teaching them that we go with the prophets and we go with the apostles. If the apostles and the prophets don't match, you got, a problem. you got a problem in your foundation. Your house is going to fall to pieces. So one of the beautiful things about what you said earlier about following the teachers of the apostles is to understand they are learning the same things that we have on this table right now. All of these Sepharim and what we don't have on this table right now, which is all the other Sepharim. <laughs> you know, all the Talmud, all the Mishnah, all the Midrash, like... All that. Go ahead. Yeah, anyway. and didn't each one of them kind of specialize in a certain part of the Come form? on. Of course they did. You know why? Because they represent the well, 12 tribes. Well, what That's why there had to be 12 to of them. in that, if you study that and look at it and see it, we're, we, we're all different levels. Yes, we are. So if you combine all of them, then you, you get yeah. more of it combined. That's right. And that's that's what he wants. He doesn't want us separate. No, he well, doesn't. I don't not. like what they're doing. I'm just going to start something out of my house or whatever, you know, mm. and overdo this. He doesn't want that. No, he mm. don't. I've got to say something about this guy that said the hadith, because I just understood what he was saying. Okay. This girl was wanting to dance at a ceremony at the temple. They were having a ceremony at the temple wall. And what he, temple? Not the temple, the Western Wall. They were okay. The Western Wall. Like, uh, this last week, the temple that's up there. We don't want to call it a temple, and it is called a temple, and it's like no, it's not a. It's but not. Uh, <laughs> they were they're having a celebration last week. What okay. was it? The day of the Israel. Okay, that's uh, the Independence Day. Independence. Yeah, the Israeli or, celebration. No, this was later than that. This was just last week. They had something. Anyway, this past what he week? was saying Jerusalem is day. he was like Jerusalem making fun day. of okay, her. Cool. Because I read it in a translation, because he's speaking Hebrew. He's making fun of her. Yeah, because what he's saying is, oh, I don't want to just be the Lapid. I want to be the Hadith, because she was dancing and, and all this. And I think that he was saying what she, what she was uh, exemplifying. I don't think that it was what he was saying with his own words, because... Hmm. I was reading the Hebrew and I knew, I knew his intent, and I, and he's coming across. He's been Jewish. He he's not, he's not. Uh, yeah. A Muslim. So it has to be this girl, and she wasn't dressed like a Jew. He and all his. That ain't good. If he wants the beast, what she was emanating, and she wasn't dressed like a Jew. Yeah, she was dressed in uh, jeans and a shirt, oh. and she wanted and no. Stop Tickler it! Stop! Nothing. 
like that, and dancing around. And he, I think he was basically saying that she was the Hadith. I just want to say, from what you just shared with me, don't sound kosher, not even by like a vegetarian hexer. So, not but, good. See, you know, when you read translations of people that are speaking in Hebrew, mm -hmm. it doesn't always... It doesn't always jive with English because, like, the verb might come before and the, right. the noun answer. So at that point, you look at what am I seeing? What is yeah. the context here? And so I'm going by the picture. Is yeah, and the picture what he shows. What saying was that she wasn't just happy being the lapid part of the celebration. She wanted to be bring the hadith in, Good. I think is what he was no. saying. That, yeah. Because so. I, I have no doubt that he's Jewish. I have no doubt that he was uh He's a credible Jew. So I'm I'm gonna kinda read Judge favorably. I'm judging Come on. Not don't want to judge at all, but if I was <laughs> to say, I would all. say that he was saying of her. Okay. I'm not judging, but if I were to judge, yeah. I would say this, and that's all I gotta say about that. That's all that, I have to say man, about just that. To, <laughs> That's what you should have said. He said, well, I'm not here to judge, but if I did judge, my judge would be <laughs> All right, so I want to bring out the Jewish wisdom and the numbers because this section from the fifth Aliyah and on to the rest of this Torah portion until the very end that ends with the most giant nuclear bomb ever with the way Moshe heard the voice of Hashem from the Mishkan. It's ridiculous. But uh, this whole section is about the 12 tribes and Yeshua had specifically 12 Tamadim he wanted to make sure that he had exactly 12 that's why it was so important that when Yehuda did his little runaway and and mutilate himself and die for real uh, they had to replace him and they had to do it in such a very uh, way of sanctity they literally did it like a, a casting of the lots Listening to the spirit of Hashem, that whole thing. That's at the end of Acts chapter 1. And guess what? The 12th candidate who was replaced was not Paul. So um, most people may or may not know that, but that will also help understand some hierarchy. But anyway, the Jewish wisdom of the numbers does a beautiful job of explaining this whole 12 thing. It says there are 12 gateways to Hashemayim. Which should not be confused with there are many pathways to quote-unquote heaven. Because if you look at crazy theology that's out there, they're like, oh, there are so many ways to God. And it's just like, that's half true, actually. Yeah, there's the, <laughs> that's that's the new, it's not, it's no longer different amounts of, of, of gods, so to speak, like it was in the olden, like back then. Right. So now it's like there's a thousand ways to worship God, and just no, that's yeah. not it either. You know, there's only twelve, which are which is only one. So because that'd be called Israel. That'd be called Israel. And when you do twelve, one plus two is three. How many people exist in the congregation of Israel? Three. You're either a Cohen, a Levi, or a Yisraeli. Yisraeli. So, it's three. It's one per, one people. But it's three pe three categories of that one people in 12 different tribes. 12 is three, which is one. Okay, that's basically what we just explained. Okay, so with that being said, when you look at Yerushalayim, there are gates to get into the city, right? How many gates are there to get into the city? 12. 12. 
So why are there 12 gates is the question because there are 12 tribes that need to get home. Okay? You belong to one of those 12 gates. There's not a Gentile gate. There's not a Noahide gate. There's not a Messianic Gentile gate. And there's not a Christian gate. So, God deal with that. Investigate. Okay, so. I got to tell you this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're going to think it's funny. On the way here, uh -huh. I counted all the, the roads on the Mixmaster. Uh -huh. And all the ones coming in and going out were 12. Because there's four directions. East, west, north, and south. So you got four directions. Okay. And you have three ways you can go in any direction. You can go to the right, you can go to the left, or you can go straight. Nice. And so it was three times the four directions gives 12. And I'm sitting there going, 12 is three. Well, there, you know, it, tw God is here with us. To make masters. That's beautiful. <laughs> That's a beautiful picture. All right. So it says, everyone in Yaakov's 12 sons merited to be included in the composition of the Jewish nation, which, by the way, this is the only patriarch who every single one of his sons was righteous. Which one is that? Yaakov, okay. a.k.a. Israel. That's why he's our... Yeah, so it's kind of like very, very interesting when you think about it on that level. But, continue on, it says, parallel to the 12 permutations of God's four-letter name, which, by the way... The Tetragrammaton, the divine name, the Yod and Hay with the Vav and Hay, arranges itself 12 different ways according to the 12 hours that are in a day. And to the 12 months. And to the 12 months. Now, what you also need to know is where are the other 12 hours, because there's 24 hours in a full rotation of day and night. So during the nighttime, Hashem's other four-letter name, which is Adonai, Aleph, Dalet, Noon, Yod, also arranges in 12 different ways. So, there's like 12 and 12, which is like 24, which is like... 24 books of the Tanakh. 20... What? Wow. Can you repeat that? No, 24 books of the Tanakh. Okay, so I'm going to call the police real quick. <laughs> Time out. Just saying. The brain is done you again. not just... Yeah, tase him, please. <laughs> wow. Really? Hours in the day and 24, 24 books, books in the, in the Tanakh. Tanakh. Yeah. What's wrong with this guy? Well, it's all numbers. I'm a numbers yeah. person too, and I agree. Yeah. You can bring everything back to some kind of number. And if you want to get way out there, Hashem will go all the way with you. <laughs> <laughs> Understatement of the night. Because yeah. 2 plus 4 is 6. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... I'm going to finish here. Okay, so it says, So each tribe chartered its unique, distinctive pathway. Each was equally legitimate, or each was an equally legitimate avenue in terms of Avodat Hashem, which is divine service. Yaakov's blessing of each son before his passing, obviously Moshe added to this, um, indicated each tribe would be in possession of a key role. Need a phone? I just want to see what time it is. Either one. Okay, so there's a key role. And this kind of goes back to what you said, Raphael, that each of the, the Talmudim possess some, uh, some aspect of what another Talmud did not. You know, they all had kind of like a specialized, specialized zone. 
if you will. So each tribe has their own key role and its individual pathway of holiness to connect to its godly source. Go back to Aliyah Day, um, I believe it was either this week or last week, but he talked about how the proselyte joins the tribes of Israel. And there's not really a delineated tribe that we go to as proselytes, but we can, there's a couple of different ways you can either choose or, yeah, this was last Thursday. So uh, during Parsha Bamibar, the fifth Aliyah, he talked about this. So how many Parshas are there? For, oh, there's uh, either 53 or 54, depending on how you count it. Oh my gosh, it's almost like one a week then. Yeah, yeah, to go with the 52 weeks, I see what you're doing, yep. Okay. Uh, so uh, to continue on, so when you look at that, what that means about how there's a tribe that we are associated with, and, um, oh, he, in the middle of reading through his sources, he read something, I believe it was from Rabbi Monk, that says that there's a different path of atonement that you receive depending on your tribe. So there are 12 different kinds of atonement that Hashem has, and a, there's an atonement needed for each individual specific tribe, which I just thought, you know, when you think about Hashem's name permutates in 12 ways to go with the 12 months, to go with the 12 tribes, the 12 hours of a day and all that, you know, it's just kind of like, wow, so there's a specific atonement. But anyway, it says in the inauguration of the Mishkan, which we're reading right now in Parsha Naso, each of the 12 princes brought his specific donation on 12 successive days. Through their offerings were identical, though their offerings were identical, their repetition in the Torah attests to the precious nature, worthy of inclusion within scripture. Testimony to the uniqueness of each tribe was demonstrated by its unique banner and symbol. Which, by the way, when you look at the four groups of the tribes, you know, each group has three. There's four groups, right? You got Dan, Yehuda, uh, Ephraim, and I forget who Menashe. the other. Maybe Manashe. So they're because they had like the different divisions. Benjamin. Well, it was uh, they grouped the they grouped all the tribes into three. So they had like all the different divisions. But anyway, I just wanted to bring that up because when you look at the four divisions, that is the uh, four living creatures that surround the throne of Hashem. So the way we encamped around the Mishkan was like a picture of heaven, of how there's a throne in the center and the living creatures that all have the different faces that are surrounding the throne. So kind of a majestic picture. So it says, though their offerings were identical, there's a unique nature, they have banner and symbol. Just as every one of the 12 months has a significant noteworthy events, so too do all 12 tribes exhibit their unique sets of characteristics. So there's a beautiful chart here that shows uh, the 12 months that correspond to the 12 tribes that correspond to the 12 signs, which are called Hebrew Mazalot, commonly known as Zodiac. So many of us, or all of us actually, because none of us are born outside of creation unless you're Yeshua, but that's, that's an, another topic for another day. 
Um, but we're all born under some one of these mazels. So um, when you kind of look at, okay, what's your Hebrew uh, birthday? You see what mazel you're born under and all that. So that corresponds to a specific tribe. So that's one way you can get information on possibly what tribe you're from. And uh, last week, the Kehot Humash did a beautiful job of explaining the characteristics of each tribe. And when you kind of look at that, that also gives you more indicator of possibly what tribe you belong to. You know, so all of that. All right. So want to go back to the Basora for just a moment or probably the rest of our time, I guess, unless we have more questions and we can do that. Okay, cool. I'm not sure that they're going to stay late. What time is it? Uh, 8 o'clock. Okay. Uh, we normally go to 8.30, so if you want to come back, you're more than welcome to. If you need to go ahead and leave, then I that's don't. totally fine. I'll be right back. Cool. All right. Brookshim. So Luke one seventeen uh, talks about what uh, the power and the spirit of Eliyahu is supposed to do. And that actually is delineated in uh, Malachi chapter 4. Says, Behold, I will send you Eliyahu the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of Adonai, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. So that's Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. And then Matthew 3, chapter 3, tests to the fact that. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for Adonai, make straight paths for him. They were talking about this is Yochanan. And then Matthew eleven fourteen is the, if you're willing to accept it, he is Eliyahu who was to come. So there's a picture of, you know, the first stage of the redemption here brought up in the Basura. All right, so there's that. Um, going back here. So Zachariah was in uh, the lineage of Aharon. So his family is a part of the tribe of Aharon that are supposed to be Kohanim. Which, if you remember the corruption of Yisrael in the temple at this time, people are in the position of Kohanim that are not necessarily a part of the lineage. So when you look at why Yeshua was mikvahed by Yochanan, this was to transfer the priesthood, the line of Aharon to Yeshua. So, because Aharon and his descendants are, and Pincus, by the way, are um, of the tribe of the Kohanim. So you can transfer that just like um, Melchizedek transferred it to Abraham back during Parsha Vayera. Or Leklaka Slika. <clears throat> and then um, the other thing here too is the cool thing about the angel appearing. This lets us know that this was not a Yom Kippur type offering where you bring the incense into the Holy of Holies and place them on the altar, which is interesting that it's placing on the altar because that's insinuating that the Ark itself is also an altar. So what is up with that? But anyway, um, 
He's doing a normal uh, morning and evening, <laughs> morning and evening uh, priestly katoric, like what we read in our daily Corbinote, where we read the incense offering. So he was in the middle of that liturgy, and Gabrielle shows up. Uh, I know you're busy right now, but uh, Shalom, just want to bring you a message from Hashem and let you know uh, you're going to have a son. His name is Yochanan, and uh, he's going to be the Eliyahu because Mashiach's coming too. So, you know, obviously Elisheva and Miriam have talked about that because they're cousins, they're related, so they know what's up. Uh, and both of their babies, <clears throat> even in the womb, jumped when they saw each other. Because remember, babies in the womb can see because they're using the light of Torah because the angel's teaching them so they can see to the end of the world. So there's all that. But anyway, um, so yeah, so Zakariah had to be brought in the loop on this uh, this conversation and this information. And it happened at the Ketorit, which go back to Parsha Teruma or Tadzave, where we learn the uh, significance of the Ketorit is to literally bind us to Hashem. And so... All of this is kind of going on right now with uh, Zakariah. So we go right out of that into the significance of Eliyahu and what it's going to be to prepare for the return of Mashiach. And yes, it is a return because Mashiach came down at Mount Sinai as well. And, uh, you know, there's all that. So. All right. So we're approaching our 20-minute mark. So if there's anything everyone would like to ask or share, please do so in rapid succession. I'm going to look over here into Midrash. One thing, too, is uh, when uh, Yeshua was young and the parents took him to the temple to... Uh, uh, to see uh, Shem, the uh, old priest who was uh, waiting to see uh, oh, a yes. sign from God. Yes. And uh, what drew me to that is I saw it was like a kind of honed in on these, these particular verses here, which is in uh, Luke uh, 2, 29-32. But the last part says, uh, A light will bring revelation to the Goyim and glory to your people Israel. Mm. He came for his people, but he was the light, and he was the Torah. Wow. So the idea was he sent his his disciples out to go in to take them his Torah not the Gospels because you're just talking about a small part yeah. so when I talked to ministers and pastors I said do you have a favorite pie that you could just sit down and eat the whole thing I said or a cake whichever he said yeah I said okay somebody bakes that for you they take the time make it by hand you know they are and you're waiting for it and you, you think you're going to get the whole thing but yet they bring you out a little sliver and say, here, this is all you're getting. Are you going to be happy? 
Hmm. And they look at me and go, do you see? Why settle for a small part of what he gave us when there's a whole lot more? Hmm. Hmm. Because that's what they're selling for, just a little bitty bit. Wow. And that's deception of Satan. I said, that's the deception of Satan because he, he doesn't want us to receive for it because that's where your true happiness is. It says so right in it. <laughs> Man. So that's what you're avoiding. That's what's missing. That's why everybody's confused. That's why there's so many counselors and, and churches. I mean, they're overrun with them. Right. And especially the larger ones. And I, I, I go into them, I'm going, man, is everybody here a counselor or what? You know? <laughs> it seems that way. Like it's, oh, I'm a counselor. You know, you see them all over the place. I'm going, what the heck? Oh, that's right. They don't, they're missing something. Well, one of the things that this prophet Shimeon that you're talking about said is, uh, my eyes have seen your salvation. And it says in verse uh, Luke 2:29, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, now dismiss your servant in Shalom. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of cool because when you look at, you know, I wait for your Yeshua, you know, Shimeon literally got to experience the fullness of Okay, Hashem, you told me I was going to see Yeshua. You told me I was going to see my salvation. And here he is. <laughs> you know, so I just got uh, really curious on that to look in the Talim. I'm so glad you brought that section of Basora up. Um, because that's always been really cool to, to read about. And the whole pie analogy, I mean, wow. <laughs> That's just a little, literally, that's just a slice. You're only getting a sliver, actually. You know. Uh, so, Tehillim 119, verse 166, is what literally uh, Shimeon Hanavi quotes. 166. I bet we don't have commentary on it. 161, 162, 168. <laughs> wow. All right. So one of the things I do want to bring up is something from showing up Pinkus. Cause you know, we have the Nazarite in here, right? In our, uh, portion and I believe um, Yokanon has a little bit of a Nazarite vow placed on him if I am not mistaken I mean different, different levels of that yeah there's a, a lifetime or a, or a shorter version you might say Oh yeah, cause like it's the you do it at least thirty days, and then you know you can do up to however from there. Um, so I'm going back over here. It's taking me a second. Luke chapter one. Uh, angel said to him, "Gladness at his birth, greatness sight, uh, forerunner in the spirit." Oh, here it is, verse. Uh, 15. So Luke 1, 15. 
says, For he will be great in the sight of Adonai. He is to never take wine. And uh, if you look at some cross-references, this goes back to Parsha Kare Mot, which talks about your, your sons, you and your sons, Aharon, shall not drink wine or strong drink when you enter into the tabernacle. So it's letting us know that he has a very high uh, ranking priestly role, like on the level of Aharon, Nadab, and Avihu. And then, obviously, the cross-reference of Bami Bar chapter 6, verse 3. He shall abstain from wine and strong drink. He must not drink vinegar made from wine or strong drink. And this goes on to our Haftarah. Uh, I don't think Haftarah this week, but yeah, Haftarah this week, actually. Uh, Shoftim, chapter 13, talking about Shimshon, who also is a Nazarite all his life. So kind of cool on that. But uh, I'm going to try to source this out because I feel like you have a tag. Do have a tag, but let me let me say this real quick before you do that. Go ahead. Um, but the main thing that I want to bring down, why bring up the Nazarite? What's the significance? The significance is the Nazarite attains a higher level than the Kohen Hagadol and returns literally back to the level of Adam, Harishon, and Gani Din. The Nazarite vow elevates you to that status, should it be done following all appropriate protocol. Hence why it's such a very uh, sacred thing that happens. When you look at, it follows the episode of the Sota, which is the depravity that came upon man after we fell from our status. So, that's my introduction until I look for my source, and I hand it over to Kish Pela. Well, I just got to looking at the names, and I kind of wandered into the, the sixth Aliyah, which... Come on. It just talks about it's the two tribes of Ephraim and Manasseh. So it says, this is from Orchachim, uh, chapter 7, 48. The Nasi of the children of Ephraim, Elishama, son of Amihud, Orchachim cites a midrash that homiletically interprets the name of this Nasi as alluding to the righteousness of Yosef, the ancestor of the tribe Ooh. of Ephraim. Since our sages of blessed memory say, Tanhuma 28, Rab Rabbi Mir and Rabbi Yehoshua ben Korach would expound the names of the Nasiim. With regard to the name Elishama, son of Amihud, they expounded as follows. Elishama can be divided into two. Eliai, to me, and Shama, he listened. That oh. is, Yosef listened to Hashem, and he did not listen to his master's wife when he tried to seduce him. The name Amihud is similarly divided into two. Imi, with me, was his Hod, Hod, glory, and it was not with the wicked ones. That is, Yosef did not sully his handsomeness by falling into sin. And the citation of the Midrash ends here. Wow. It says, it goes on further. Says it seems that in alluding to Yosef's ordeal by saying Elishama, he listened to me instead of he did not listen to her. The Torah means to convey that the reason Yosef refrained from sinning with Potiphar's wife was not due to any concern for consequences of the act in this world, but rather due to fear of Hashem. Wow. As Yosef said, "How then can I perpetuate this great evil and have sinned against God?" Mm. This is the allusion in the term Elishama. 
Another idea is this name means to convey is based on the words of the sages who said Sota 36b, cited in Rashi to Bereshit 39.11, that Yosef was on the verge of succumbing to Potiphar's wife, but the image of his father appeared to him and warned to him of the consequences of his sin, and then he, and then he was able to hold himself back. Now, it is known that this image of his father is actually a vision of the Shekhinah. Oh, For it cannot oh, oh. be that his father Yaakov appeared to him since Yaakov was in his place in Canaan and knew nothing of Yosef's ordeal and did not even know whether he was still alive. Rather, when the verse in Bereshit 49.24 hints that Yosef was saved by the hands of the mighty power of Yaakov, it is actually referring to the mighty power of Yaakov, i.e. the God of Israel. This too is included in what? the phrase Eli Shama, he listened to me. Where'd you just start from? <laughs> Here to nine one one. Yeah, <laughs> this is nine one one. What's your emergency? I'm just reading what's on the book. Uh, yeah, that that's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> you and your literacy. <laughs> Matter for you. Wait, is that the or Hakim? Or Hakim. It's okay. a, uh, but I just think it's interesting that Yosef. Looks in the mirror and, Come on, and he sees dots. the Shekinah. You know what I'm saying? So, which was so, a picture of his father, yeah, which he looked friend. like his father. And so Yeshua says, uh, when you see me, you've seen the father. Right, because he's the Shekinah. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Oh my goodness. So, yeah, That's it's... ridiculous. And by the way, while we're on there, you know, Yeshua says, I am the Lord of the Shabbat, right? And he's Mashiach ben Ephraim, i.e. Mashiach ben Yosef. Right. When is the tribe of Ephraim bringing their offering? On the, on the seventh day. day, which is Shabbat. Shabbat. So, by the way, you don't bring an offering like this on the day of Shabbat. So what, what this is pointing out to us is these 12 days transcend creation. So it's even to the point where you bring your offering that should not be brought on Shabbat, but it's like higher than Shabbat is where this offering is ranking. And notice it is the tribe of Ephraim. When did Mashiach do all of most of his miracles? On Shabbat. When did he do most of his healings? It was on Shabbat. When did he get questioned about your Talmudim or violating Shabbat? And he was like, really? They're not harvesting. They're just having some lunch to go because it's it's my field. You know, because I'm kind of like a king. And the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So really, who's harvesting who? You know, kind of thing. But anyway, um, I just thought that's interesting, which you tie all this together. Uh, Ephraim, Lord of Shabbat, image of the Shekinah. I mean, yeah, what is wrong the with foot, you? The footnote also says... While Hashem has no form, the prophets sometimes saw images that indicated that Im- indicated His presence. One of these, Im- one of the images associated with the presence of Hashem is this. In this manner, is the visage of Yaakov. See Bereshit Rabbah sixty-eight eighteen. Stop it. All right, so um, we're gonna figure out how to detain you. <laughs> In the meantime, somebody needs to detain more time. <laughs> that is just absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. You know, I got a stun gun in the truck. I could you do? Bring it in. All right, yeah. Don't leave home without your stun gun. Okay. I'll bring it next time. So this is from page three. <laughs> <laughs>
of show no, what you need. Oh, tab, tab. I don't. I'm out. I'm out of tabs. You're out of tabs. I'm out of tabs. Actually, okay. that's half a lie. Half of a lie. I have two tabs, I think, or a few tabs. No, I have two tabs. Two machines. I'll use a tab for that. Okay. <laughs> I literally have two tabs left. Really? Where do you? You want me to tab from here or here? Anywhere you want to tab it. Okay. So apparently I get a little tab happy. I'm out of how many tabs come on this thing? A few hundred. Okay, geez. <laughs> All right, so real quick, let me share this. We have three minutes left. Um, this is page three, showing up Pinkus, talking about the Nazir. Here's the introduction to this section. It says, let us delve into the incredible teachings of the Holy Al-Sheikh and the Shayla. Okay, it says, they enlighten us as to the source of the concept of being a Nazir. We shall begin with the explanation of the Al-Sheikh. He teaches that Hakadosh Baruku wished to teach us that even if a Jew does not descend from a family of Kohanim, it is still within his power to sanctify himself and achieve the status of a Kohen Gadol. How? By separating himself from all earthly matters. As a result of his newly acquired Kedusha, he is prohibited from exposing himself to the Tumah, the impurity of a dead person, including his father and mother. He adds, by the way, so this is all this violence is brought down first by the Al Sheikh. Yeah, yeah, so this Al Sheikh commentating. Yeah. And then it says, he adds that the Kedusha of the Nazir is superior to the Kohen Gadol. He voluntarily chose to accept this status upon himself. As opposed to the situation of a Kohen Gadol. For regarding the Kohen Gadol, Vayikra 21.11, He shall not come to any souls of the dead. He shall not make himself Tameh, impure, for his father or his mother, for a crown. The oil of his God's anointment is upon him. Which, by the way, God's anointment literally means God's Mashiach. Yeah. And that's the oil that's placed on the head of the Kohen. But continue on. It is upon and the, and him. On and on the king. Okay, so Mashiach, the oil of anointment, is placed on the Kohen. It's also placed on the king. So what does that say? Mashiach is a king and a, uh, and a Kohen. And we are a royal priesthood. So we're like kings and priests. Okay, anyway, Shemot 19. All right, according to this Pasuk, his <laughs> Kedushah results from his anointment with this special oil. So our Kedusha comes from our status in Mashiach. Why is Lapid a Lapid and why does the fire never go out? Because the oil of Mashiach with the help of Hashem flows through our heart and it renews every single day, moment by moment. All right, that's why we're Lapid. Okay, so anyway, keep that oil going. Don't run out. Okay, regarding the Nazir, however, it simply states he is awarded the crown without any anointing. His Kedusha emanates from the fact, rebuking my alarm, okay? Uh, he's, uh, his Kedusha emanates from the fact that he willingly chose to separate himself from all matters of the world without any anointment. Here's the main point. Now, from the explanation of the Al-Sheikh, 
it is not so apparent as to why the Nazir is superior to the Kohen. So let us examine the teachings of the Shela Naso Torah or 11. Naso Torah or 11. Here it goes. Who enlightens us with regards to uh, the Kedusha of a Nazir? The Nazir merits sanctifying himself with the Kedusha of Adam Harishon before he drank from the wine of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, i.e. called the Eitz Hadat. It says, which was a grapevine, according to one opinion. Yeshua says, I'm never going to drink from this cup again until I renew it and in the, the kingdom. Yeah, and the Nazarene says, not I'll never, not even a, yeah, yeah, okay. At that point, at that point in time, at that point in time, the decree of death with its attendant impurity had not yet been imposed upon mankind in all creation. Therefore, the Torah prohibits him from drinking wine and from spiritually contaminating himself through the exposure of the dead. So anyway, Nazir is kind of important, and that's why it's brought up in Acts when Shaul has to prove that he is not against the Torah because he has to pay for those who undertook a Nazarite vow. And he joined in their purification ceremony. Who? Paul. Paul. And Acts. I believe it's around Acts chapter 24. Let me go ahead and source that out. Y'all talk amongst yourself because this is only going to take a second. Not, it's not Acts 15? It's not Acts 15. That's the That's, whole four laws. Right. Okay. Why are okay. we using Paul as an example? We're, using, we're just saying case precedent. As far as the Nazarite. Case precedent of this Torah portion, Nazarite, and, and what that literally means that we need to take any time we see a Nazarite vow of any kind, we need to take that seriously, like on the level of before we send in the garden, like it's a big deal. So when does that appear in the Basora? It appears in Acts when the, uh, the leaders of the Jewish community told Paul, hey, there's people that think you're against Torah. So why don't you go join this Nazarite vow uh, ceremony? And I need you to pay for everything. So if Paul was against Torah, yeah, if Paul was anti-Torah, this would have been the moment. This would have been the moment, and this would have been a very big deal had he not participated or paid for it. So Nazarite vows big deal. Paul said, "Of course, it's a big deal. Of course, I don't violate Torah. I don't teach people to violate Torah. So I'm paying for everything, and I'm going to take part of it." So uh, with that being said, okay, here we go. So. So are you saying that he has the status of the Nazarite in the garden? No, I'm just saying Paul uh, took Paul paid for the Nazarite uh, sacrifices and the vow and all that kind of stuff. But paying to for prove he's the redeemer, <clears throat> right? Yeah, Basically, pretty much. He's yeah, because the they they could have paid for it on their own, but yes, he paid for it. So that they didn't have to pay for it, kind of like what a redeemer does. So that's a, a whole beautiful thing. It's Acts chapter twenty one, uh, verses twenty three through twenty four. So Acts twenty one is just kind of, uh, and then um, Acts eighteen, eighteen also has that when it says the shaving of the head uh, is also a, a part of the Nazarite. 
So Paul pretty much stakes his uh, his his whole uh, what do you call that reputation? Stakes his whole reputation, his whole name on I am not anti-Torah. Let me pay for everybody's Nazarite vow because this is the way that I am counseled by the leaders who is Yochanan, Kepha, Yaakov, all them. He said Paul, you need to do this. This will prove you. <laughs> you know, because so people. He got advice. Yeah, he got advice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So anyway, Pretty so Paul said only what he was told. That's <laughs> wow. what we now need to take away from that. All right, so Baruch Hashem, any more questions before we close? Uh, no, I was going to. Oh, uh, just to kind of throw this out there, like a, a Nazarite is not the same thing as, the, as a Nazarene. Mm. It's not the same word. Right. Notes three is Nazarene. I feel like that's a a common. Not Nazir. Yeah, Nazir and Notes three is two different Different words. Different things. They sound the same. It's not very similar. They're homonyms. Oh, one Mm -hmm. more thing in related to that Nasa. Uh huh. Come on. Nasa, Naso, Nazarene. The base Naso is the raising up of. Yeah. And so, and I guess because Paul is known for some kind of the Holy Spirit, the raising up, mm-hmm. there would be, there's probably something about the Nazareth, right? Mm-hmm. Naza being the base, even if it has to do with the that segment of the world, because they were the Nat, they were from Nazareth, Nazareth right? No, well, that's, that's, what, that's what I'm saying. Those people weren't from Nazareth. That's, what, from that's, Nazareth. What, that's, what, that's what I'm saying. Like the, they the, aren't from Nazareth. Na, yeah. a, a Nazir is somebody who took this vow. Okay. You became a you became a, a Nazir if you took this a, a Nazarite vow. They're like vow. us. They're kind of converts. They aren't. We aren't. Maybe we didn't grow up in Israel. Uh, well, they could be anyone. Anybody, anyone yeah. from Israel, whether they converted into Israel, but they're they're Jews. So any Jew. They can be from South Israel, North Israel, East Israel, West Israel. They can be from another country and make Aliyah for the pilgrimage. And they say, hey, I want to take a Nazarite vow. And because this Naso, they were mentioned in... In Parsha Naso, yeah. Then there's maybe some kind of correlation between those. Yeah, you could you could play around with the letters because the Targum teaches yeah, that you, you can, can switch, uh, switch out the Zadis and the Zayins for each other. So yeah, that would be a very uh, beautiful study on letters and and things like that, and even gematrias, because you cha- you're changing values when you do that. But that yeah, that's what that's, I just wanted to say that. But on Peshat level, what he's saying. Yeah, right just now. just just to throw that out there, like that a Nazir he's is not, not the same from, thing as somebody who's from Nazareth. Yeah, that's, not that's from something. Yeah, yeah, right. That's good to know. Good That's yeah. great to know. Because you can get confused. Well, because because if you just if you just, <laughs> if you just hear it, you know, not, not a Nazir. Oh, that means from not not mm-hmm. Nazir, and it's like no, that's not not no. no. <laughs> Come on. Hey. Well, Baruch Abba Shem Adonai. What do we know? What do we know? Baruch Atarunai Eloheinu Melech Haolam Asher Natan Lanu Torah Emet Vekaye Olam Natabetokeinu Baruch Atarunai Notena Torah Amen Amen Lalatov Shalom.